from the Willamette Valley in America's great Pacific Northwest. You are listening to the Ernest Mann Show, and I'm your host, Ernest Mann. No matter where you may be listening in this great, big, beautiful world, we all share. Hello, folks. I just wanted to say thank you for tuning in. Or, thank you twice as much for tuning in again. I wanted to tell you about episode number 144, Imposed Irrelevance. The Emperor's Clothes, The Real Reason Why Nothing Gets Changed. I just wanted to tell you, it's it's been an incredibly difficult week. I've had so many problems on so many issues. And this particular broadcast, I'm doing very late. So uh, I'm uh, not as bright-eyed and bushy-tailed as... You know I often am. <laughs> but we're going to muck through it because I have a really good show for you. I think that you're going to like this. Now, most folks uh, know about the story, the children's story of the Emperor's Clothes. But if you don't, if you're unfamiliar, I'm going to give you a very basic rundown on it. And um, what it basically is, it's an expression is used to describe a situation in which people are afraid to criticize something or someone because the perceived wisdom of the masses is that the thing or person is good or important. So, that's the idea. Um, the actual story that I can summarize, if my memory serves, now please forgive me if it's not 100% accurate, but the idea is I'll lay this out and you get the gist of it. Um, very famous uh, king, and he wants new clothes. And he hires three of the greatest tailors in the kingdom. And he uh, promise, basically promises them all that he will give them untold riches if they provide him with the finest garments, the finest suit of clothes that he has ever had. And the other part of the bargain, though, is that if he is dissatisfied or he does not feel it's up to, uh, to that level of professionalism, if the crowd doesn't go wild enough, then he can have their head. So, 
the three men figure it out, and they decide to go for it. And so the first tailor does his, his best work, and the king is not quite satisfied. It's just not up to par. So, off with his head. The second tailor figures, well, I better step things up a bit. And so he goes absolutely all out to produce the finest garments for a monarch that he's ever done. Because quite literally, his whole life depends on it. Sadly and ironically, though, he, just like the first tailor, he also fails. There's just not enough, not enough. Uh, when when this is shown to when the when the king goes in, in out to court, out to public for the applause, he doesn't. He doesn't get the. Uh, he doesn't get it. Doesn't get what he wants. So again, off with his head. The third tailor thinks about this. And he's very bright, and he's very clever. And he says to the king, Your Highness, I will not fail you. I will produce the finest garments you have ever worn. And very long story short, what the tailor does is to produce absolutely nothing. But he convinces the king that these imaginary garments are real. And so while he is fitting the king, and eventually when the garments or the make-believe garments are finally completed, he acts as though he is carefully putting the garments on and lacing them and, and all of that. And the king finally goes out into court or goes out in the public and the people are just absolutely awestruck and drop-jawed. They just can't believe it. And after a, a few awkward moments, there is outrageous applause. Everyone is just beyond themselves and, and applauding and hollering and whistling and screaming. The king is, has never, never felt this way. He's never been so applauded. And so the king makes this tailor a very, very wealthy man. Even though the king didn't have a stitch of clothing on. That is exactly what I feel is going on in the case, not of what's being talked about with everything on the so-called news media and events. It's not what I'm saying in that respect it's what is not being said. 
So, in other words, by the things that I'm telling you that are occurring in the media, it is a constant, perhaps even annoying, tap on the shoulder, basically saying, um, it, it, yeah, but excuse me, yeah, that's, that's great and fine, but the, the king doesn't have any clothes. And I'm completely ignored. Or, not completely, but mostly ignored. Have you ever felt that way? Have you, as a similar argument, it doesn't matter what it is in life, if you, if you know someone that you've had, just one person, not even a group, even just one person, that a particular situation, something that's going to take place, that you just know it's it's bad and you know how it's going to end up and you're that person and the other person is just in seventh heaven and besides themselves with with temporary joy or happiness or whatever the hell it may be and you're the of course you're the person there to rain on their parade and you could say uh yeah but didn't you say, and so forth. The point is, is that it seems as though endlessly recorded, this is this effect, this thing has endlessly been recorded over and over again in history, in recent history. I'm sure it happened in ancient history. That it seems as though when people on mass, when they become entranced in something, you can't, or at least it's very difficult, to break the spell. To break the spell of a common bond, no matter how potentially absolutely devastating it can be. I mean, for instance, the whole entrancement of the German people by Hitler in World War II. Because before he started really dropping the bombs, he had to work up to that. He had to work the people into a frenzy and basically put him in a trance. That they would, there was absolute. Um, just unquestioning loyalty, not, of course, just to the soldiers and, you know, the generals and, and not just that, but the people. This whole fear thing. And that's what I feel like, and that's what I observe over things, over three major things that I see as essentially, basically, the same damn thing. It's a repeat of the same damn problems. And primarily, there are three. There are, there are many more, but primarily there are three. And so, 
One of them is irrelevance. The second one I'll say is greed. And the third one, that's a big one, is population. Now, try this little test for yourself. Try this little experiment. It's a thought experiment. When you're listening, when you when you can, you may be in your car, or maybe you have a great memory and you'll just remember to do this, but it would be really great if you would. And it's a very simple thing, but maybe keep it in front of your couch or whatnot when you're you know watching tv or news or what have you and make that list put that down on a piece of paper and if there's anything that you see that you seem you know it seems divisive or whatever it is match it up with those three criteria how big of a problem is it to ask yourself how big of a problem in other words how relevant is it okay the next thing is is this particular situation and a cause of it ultimately connected to greed and the population well as i've said before that's an entirely different subject but my main point is that generally speaking just about any of the major problems that we have can be pretty directly connected to one or even more of those issues just about all the time so, for instance, <clears throat> for you soccer fans out there, these endless games, uh, various finals and, and all that, um, many uh, soccer fans, their entire nations, um, they become, they are known to become absolutely, ridiculously, to the point of, you know, fighting brawls and whatnot over their team winning or losing. Sometimes even before the even before the game starts, they're so wound up. Now think about this. This falls into the relevance department of this. Ask yourself, just, you know, be objective for a moment and ask yourself, why should I give as an adult, why should I give a rat's ass about a bunch of prima donnas, well-paid prima donnas, by the way, adult men who run around a field kicking a ball. For instance, I would be willing to bet right now um, that, or at least, at least I would hope, that the citizens 
of Ukraine aren't really giving a rat's ass about soccer. I don't even know if they have a soccer team. I, I don't know. <laughs> but no, I, I think that they're probably a bit more concerned about something, I don't know, much more real, such as eating, such as having heat and running water. These are the things that really matter. They are not irrelevant. They're very damn relevant. But meanwhile, we have on the sports channels this endless coverage. And what I'm trying to say is that ultimately, all of it, all of it is irrelevant. It's irrelevant. In your life, it's irrelevant. Now, of course, if you're a player, it's not irrelevant. But um, the mere fact that we have grown men making incredible amounts of money playing a game when we have people who are in hella terrible circumstances in our society, some of them dying on the streets, yet we are concerned about a sport, about football, soccer, or whatever it is. That falls into the irrelevance category. And then you have um, people that we fixate on. Many of them are celebrities. Some of them are political celebrities. But again, it's the whole thing of celebrity. And this is about what will happen to this person. I mean, for instance, just the the runoff that occurred, um, I believe it was in Georgia between Warnock for the Senate and Herschel Walker. It's practically like you would think it was the Super Bowl. You would think it was the second coming of Christ. Something is wrong here. And if it sounds as though, even though I'm tired, but if it sounds as though there is a, a bit of urgency in my voice, well, it is. Because I'm on the outside, I feel as though I'm on the outside looking in. And sadly, when I look in, um, the inmates are running the asylum. So, this is what I mean by the constant, endless uh, madness of everything that has taken on 
this cult-like following. And the way people and the way society has changed, I believe for the worst, and particularly in the last 40 years. Because, yes, was was that going on 40 years ago? Yes. Yes, it was. I remember it. But nowhere near to the extent and to the degree that it is now. It's fucking crazy. And then when something does happen, to a certain extent, depending on if it is, you know, something as relevant, let's say, as people being shot, it's almost gotten to the point, I think actually perhaps it is to the point, where they just yawn, oh, some people are, a few people are killed. You know, hey, what's this football team doing? Click, click. They, an owner of a uh, convenience store slash gas station in, I believe it was, I believe it was Philadelphia. The owner is a uh, Mr. Patel. And uh, due to, supposedly due to, you know, crime, threats of crime, we can't have crime, that means thuggery, we can't have that interfering with profit. So he's decided to, he has an armed guard with a, uh, I believe it was um, a submachine gun outside as duty. He's hired them. I don't know if it's 24-7, but, you know, it was on the news. And then it just calmly encourages this um, that uh, now places, you know, because everything starts somewhere Everything that's crazy has to start somewhere. And as things continue to spiral down and slip away, any kind of decency or civility, and that goes out the window because you have so many desperate people. And what I have, I will say about that, I will touch on it. You have that because. There are not enough resources, one. And secondly, there is the greed factor. But, um, yeah, if you have, like, for instance, when people mention quite casually, there are, you know, all these places that are just very wealthy within the U.S., and they don't have that. Why don't they have that? Well, it's an exclusive community. Oh, so that means all the people are wealthy who live there. Yes. Oh, so that's why you don't have their children or children's children 
or you don't have these people that are robbing convenience stores or hijacking or carjacking. You don't have all these things going on because the people who live there are wealthy. Damn, what an insight that is. While the rest of us, the peons and the peasants, well, the hell with them. Let them uh, just fuck them. Just, you know, you know, so into, again, the cities and this, the inner cities or what have you, it will just keep spiraling down. So we have now an armed guard in Philadelphia with a machine gun. He actually has, I don't know if it was a, I don't know what model it was, but it was, uh, you know, they said they're either going to use this a shotgun. This is not public police. He hired a private firm. And it's completely legal to, quote unquote, defend the property. That would be the business, of course. And it's apparently legal. So, you know, then they're asking the residents, well, how do you, how Biff, how do you feel about having, does that make you feel safer? Oh, yeah, I feel safe now. Apparently, people not giving a thought or completely missing the fact that things are increasingly so bad that you can't go and fill up your car with gas now without having an armed militia, an armed security person with a machine gun um, to protect you? Is it just me? Is it just me that I look around and I just see an entire nation of people, a lot of people who apparently are just, I don't know, in a daze or blind missing the bigger point? Are we supposed to just let this go on? Let's have cops, or more than one, uh, with submachine guns, just uh, put them at various, tab two or three or four of them. Let's put them in Targets. Let's put them in Walmarts. And then you'll wonder, hmm, you know... They had this, this mess. They had this idea going through. You know, if I didn't know better, shit, th- this, this is starting to look like a third world nation. <laughs> and of course, that is my point. So, what can be done? Well, as I've mentioned, as I've topped, you know, talked about before, just mentioning it, um, you have to begin to separate what is relevant and what isn't. So the news channels 24-7, and most of it, vast majority of it, is meaningless. The whole thing between uh, uh, Warnock and for the Senate position, Warnock and Herschel Walker, 
is ultimately completely irrelevant. They are both part of the system. They are both basically oligarchs in a system. So one oligarch beat another. That's it. It doesn't mean shit for you. Not a doodly damn worth of difference. It's being able to, to filter through and recognize what actually is relevant and what isn't. Now, one of the ways that all of this can begin to change is we have to seriously address the issue of overpopulation. And as a planet, we have too many people. We, we do not, we collectively, us, the Earth, not enough resources to provide for this many people all the time, every day, um, and endlessly increasing. That can't, it's, no, ain't going to work. And because of that, you're always going to have this problem. There are not enough jobs that pay any kind of decent income especially especially now since we have all the uh, technological advances ai is getting stronger and stronger every day so that means basically all the menial jobs all the job jobs they're you know getting to the point they too are going to be increasingly to be eliminated now the technocrats and the people who are the bigwigs in these companies, they'll try to convince you and say, well, they'll make comparisons about horse and buggies. And when that transition ended and that was the end of blacksmithing and all of these, basically these oblique comparisons, but they're not. All of this labor saving and manufacturing it works it works absolutely great there are so many things that can work wonderfully if you don't have too many people but if you have a whole lot of people and nothing for them to do and effectively no way for them to earn enough money to eke out any kind of life besides just existing, then what the hell do you think is going to happen? People go crazy. They're going crazy because they don't see any way out. It's not so much the fact that the United States has more people in prison than all of the other industrialized nations combined. And there's no room there anymore. So what do you do? I mean, in ages past, for instance, in the, say, the First World War, of course, we had the Civil War, 
Then in America, we have World War One, and then we have World War Two, and then we've had Vietnam, and then we have Korea, and on and on and on. But all these things do is postpone the inevitable, and even with all of the, let's call them the excess that die, that are eliminated, but even so, you can only kill so many in that manner. And that's not, even that is not working anymore. So, it's a population issue besides all of the irrele- irrelevance. I've had a problem with that word tonight, I know, but maybe I'm making excuses, but again, I'm a bit tired. But <clears throat> the greed, now greed's different, which is something I'm going to talk about more at length in a future uh, program. But actually, greed is pretty easy. Pretty easy to correct. It's just having the uh, proper, um, you have to have the proper machinations, let's say, the proper systems in place to do this. And it requires, it actually requires a system, various systems. Like I said, I I don't want to go into that heavily, but compared to our other problems, that that's the least of our concerns. That's correctable. The other stuff, not so much. It's going to take work and action, but what choice do you have? Because it's not going to be them. It's not going to be the oligarchs who control the country. It's not going to be the, uh, you know, the congressmen and the senators and people. They have no interest in that. None. Zero. Despite what they may claim, they don't have a damn bit of interest in taking care of that because it's not in their interest. But I'll tell you what is in their interest. What is in their interest is maintaining the status quo. The same old, same old. And just talk and talk and talk and talk. Endlessly fucking babble. And talk about committees and talk about that they're doing research into the matter. Anything. That's called kicking the can and they're very good at it. They've been trained to do that. That's their life. That's what they do. Long as they can keep their hand greased and going into that fat cookie jar, say anything. Say anything to keep them placated, to keep them off your back. But the thing is, and you know this, you know that what I'm about to tell you is true. 
that that is ceasing to work because even these peons of these people keep looking around and you know they're they're starting to get distracted by this they're beginning to what's the word wake up and they're saying yeah but you said you were going to do that four or five years ago and on my standard of living i'm going backwards and i'm working you know 20 more hours a month but i can't because i don't have money because 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 you know when people hurt when you're hurting enough and and i know maybe you know that sounds uh, cruel but i don't think people are hurting I know I sure as fighting. I know I sure as hell am. <laughs> Just between you and I and the fly on the wall, relatively speaking, uh, yeah, kind of like almost like not having a pot to piss in kind of comes to mind. <laughs> but be that as it may, and if you could relate to this, the difference is is that I know I have no illusions or delusions that they are going to do anything about it because they aren't going to do shit. Anything significant, that is. Yeah, like I say, every year they do a little something, they throw you a few crumbs here and there. But uh-uh, that doesn't, that's not what the lobbyist and the people who own this country, who really own it, that's not in their interest. That's not what they want. But when we look at no matter, I don't care who or what it is, we turn on the boob tube and we're watching... And it's the equivalent of, I don't know, pick one. Let's either sports or the absolute endless importance of whatever the latest distraction is. Um, <laughs> I just saw, for instance... Um, uh, the uh, center, uh, the uh, senator... Uh, uh, what's her name? The former uh, cocktail waitress who became senator, uh, Arcasio Cortez. Her name won't come to me, but I'm sure you know who I, I am. The one with the squeaky voice and talks a lot, but basically doesn't say anything. Anyway, um, now she's a, you know being an ethics probe. Now she's being. She's involved in an ethics probe. <laughs> That's so laughable. The whole thing, all these people, they're basically, generally speaking, basically, they're all, they're predicated. It's a supposition that they're all crooks and criminals. That's what they're there for. <laughs> that that is their real function and so when i hear so and so i don't mean to pick on her especially but i'm saying all of them and when i hear 
Yes, investigators are considering an ethics probe on Senator blah, blah, blah. It's, again, it's, it's fucking laughable because th- this is what they do. I mean, if you were going to do that, you, you know, this is, you, you would have to arrest them all. Which, actually, if you maybe come to think of it, doesn't sound like such a bad idea. Well, what did you think about that? I'd really like to hear what you have to say. So go on over to my website theearnestmanshow.com and put down your two cents worth. And while you're there, please feel free to listen to any and all the episodes you like. Plus, check out the other interesting things on my website. Until next time, this is Ernest saying take care. I'm out of here. <laughs>